Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Tech News Today is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Tech News Today for Tuesday, March 29, 2011. Tech News Today is brought to you by Slingbox, which can turn your iPad into a television with the new iPad app from Slingbox. You can watch your home TV on your iPad anywhere you go. Check it out at slingbox.com. Welcome to Tech News Today. I'm Tom Merritt. I am Becky Worley. I'm Sarah Lane. I'm Maya Zaktar. And I'm Jason Howell. Anybody else want to jump in? Uh, wow. Anyone? I'm still Sarah. We've got a gaggle. We've got a basketball team of hosts today. Hi, Mom. I'm kidding. We've got a full team. First of all, good to see you again, Becky. It's been a couple weeks. I missed you guys. I missed you too. So, and a lot of people have been in the chat room like, where's Becky? Becky quit? Did you piss off (laughs) Becky? Why isn't Becky here? Where the hell is Becky? What have you done? Well, where have you you been? You know that thing when you're a little kid and you see Superman flying and you think you can do it and then you jump off the railing of the porch (laughs) and you end up with a broken arm? No, I don't really know that. Yeah, that was me thinking that I could be a network news reporter and host a show on Yahoo and be on Twit and be mother to three-year-old twins. I fell on my face and flailed miserably. So you picked the twins over us. I'm, I, you know, th- you won't write a book called Mommy Dearest about me, but they might. So That's true. Sorry. <laughs> no, actually, saying. now I'm motivated to write a book called Mommy no. Dearest. But I'll come visit. <laughs> I'll come be- visit, Tom. No, and we're, we're going to have you on as much as we can get you on. Uh, you're, you're not gone from the show by any stretch. Uh, it's, just, it's just more of a scheduling uh, issue now. Plus, you got the Ayaz. That's right. Uh, yes. Let's welcome Ayaz to his first official I'm an employee of Twit episode of yes. Tech News Today. Yes, sir. You may have seen me sitting way back there, but now I've moved up about a, a couple feet. Yeah. It's exciting. You've moving on up. Yeah. You're like Darren, but you look different. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's just <laughs> convenient. About the same line line. Yeah, if you squint. Just squint. Same. Yeah. Drink yeah. a lot, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's get into, uh, by the way, welcome. Thanks. Uh, let's get into some tech news. Amazon launched a cloud player last night. Just, out, you know, out of, go, no, out know, of nowhere. Whatever. Because they can. Because they can. Uh, Cloud-based music service uh, gives you five gigabytes of storage to upload content from a computer absolutely free. Everyone's talking about this as like, oh, this is is a competitor for iTunes. This is a competitor for the Google Music Service. This is really a competitor for Dropbox. Mm -hmm. It's just Amazon has a very clever spin on this. So you get five gigabytes of storage. You can upload whatever you want. comes with four default folders, documents, music, videos. Uh, and something else. And users can purchase additional storage for an annual fee, just like Dropbox or any of those kind of online storage services. However, the nifty spin to it that has everybody comparing it to iTunes, if you buy a song from Amazon's digital music store, it's stored in your locker, but it doesn't count against your five gigabytes. You get to store it for free. Well, neither would an entire album either. I mean, pretty much any music that you buy out of Amazon. If you buy it from Amazon. And I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when iTunes was still in its DRM stage, I just switched over to Amazon for a long period of time and just started to uh, buy music from them. It was just as easy. They had almost as big of a library. So I've got a lot of stuff from them and I'll continue to do so if it means I can contribute to my storage locker without upgrading. And in fact, when you point out about buying an album, if you do buy an album, uh, that 
uh, gives you 20 gigabytes for free for exactly. a year. They give you a, a little extra They want you boost. to buy. From, I mean, it's they've they've... They've been smart about it. And I mean, I think a lot of people are just surprised that there have been so many Apple and Google music storage locker rumors. And all of a sudden, Amazon's like, boom. We got it. First. Yeah, no kidding. But don't you guys think it's a big deal that because they have an app that you can use on Android phones to play and stream your music directly? Um, and then it plays out of the browser, obviously, in uh, on other devices in the computer. And also that they have unlimited download. You can download any of your songs to any device. No five authorized computers Wait, or any of that. you mean off. a file that I store like in Dropbox? I can download as many times as I want? But the That's fact so that you nice can easily... Them. Yes, but the fact that you can easily play it on your mobile devices and you have that flexibility of moving it around, that seems like a big deal to me. And I think that that's a, that makes it different from Dropbox. I disagree to some extent. Well, it's got a better player than Dropbox. Sure. I mean, you can play the, the stuff on any um, on any portable device or the, or, or the web, but Amazon kind of dropping the ball. With doesn't not it having, not let you play music on iOS devices? No, it's not about Dropbox. But yeah, Amazon does not allow you to have... Like, there's no iOS app yet. Yeah, for some there's, reason. there's no app, and you, you can, can't use you can Safari. Play, you can play the files uh, in an iOS device, but you have to click the download link, mm-hmm. and then once it's done, you have to go back and click the next song. Yeah, we were, so it doesn't have the player aspect that Becky was talking. about. Yeah, we were about. testing out upstairs, and you can't do playlists. You can't you can't manage anything. It's it's kind of a loser it's cumbersome. right now. It wouldn't but be anything anyone would choose. To I'm do. expecting Amazon to have an app in, in no time. They already have an Android one, right? Yeah, well, that was the that was the cool yep. thing is that all the Android users got it first for once instead of iOS getting it first and Android having to wait. Mm-hmm. And now with Android, you can do playlists and you can uh, do all that stuff on the go. So I think that's cool. And I think this is significant. And one of the reasons is um, that just before the show, Sony came out and said, uh, you know what, we're not really digging this. I'm just going to read this. Sony spokeswoman Liz Young says, we hope that Amazon will reach a new license deal, but we're keeping all of our legal options open. And then Reuters... Uh, um, said that an unnamed music executive told them, I've never seen a company of this size make an announcement, launch a service, and simultaneously say they're trying to get licenses. So I don't quite get that. I mean, Amazon getting some kickback and just sort of going for it where everyone else couldn't? I think what Amazon has done is said, look, we operate S3. Anybody can go do this. All we're doing is providing a consumer-friendly front end to this. This is essentially what MP3 Tunes tried to do as well and got sued out of existence, but Amazon has a lot more leverage. They are gambling a little bit that the licenses for their music store won't get pulled over this, but I think that's the only real recourse here. You can't win in court when you say, like, we're just giving someone access to their files from their own machine on a remote computer. That's Mm -hmm. not illegal. They went after MP3 tunes because MP3 tunes didn't have a robust legal defense uh, as much as Amazon. They didn't have as deep of pockets, in other words. Uh, So so what's going to happen here is a a dance of of Sony saying, well, crap, we really (laughs) need the Amazon Music Store as a competitor to iTunes. But we really don't like that they busted up our fiction that you need to pay us extra to store a file you already own in the cloud. Uh, so which way do you think they'll break? Could you imagine all the music companies trying to pull their stuff off of Amazon? I mean, like, this is where everybody buys everything. Not just the digital stuff, but you still buy a CD because you want to rip it like crazy. Oh, yeah, they would I never think pull Amazon, the CDs. I mean, that, I, as you make a really good point, Amazon's like, listen, you don't need a special license to get music that you already own and, and play it on another device. We're Amazon. Let's be reasonable. Yeah, and I so mean, they're, they're hoping that people will agree with them. Who's going to fight Amazon, though? I mean, Amazon's I'm, huge. 
I agree. And I think that if I'm Google, if I'm Apple, I'm watching this going, you know what? Let's announce tomorrow we're doing the same thing. Let's just all jump in and see what happens. Well, and um, all things digital had a good story pointing out that this is different than what Apple and Google want to do. They they actually want to do more what Lala was doing with a full integrated music store and the ability to buy buy a streaming version only Social that you don't networking. actually own and all of that stuff. This is a rather clunky like if from that perspective it's a rather clunky music service or it's a really nifty uh online storage service. Yeah. It all depends on which direction you're looking at it. Let's move on to IDC, uh, forecasting the worldwide smartphone market to grow by nearly 50% in 2011. Uh, and by 2015, IDC expects that Android will be the top-selling system worldwide. It'll, it'll pass up iOS. Shocking. Nah, not that shocking. But number two will be Windows Phone 7. Weird. Yeah. So we will... <laughs> not, we will <laughs> weird. Weird doesn't even begin, does it? Well, this is sort of going on some premise that actually you shouldn't call it Windows Phone 7. You should just call it Nokia phones because they're looking at the numbers going, okay, well, Symbian has about 20% market share. So if we just swap in the operating system that Nokia is going to do, which is going to be Windows Phone 7, then of course it'll be 20%. Sure, that makes sense. Huh? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think this sounds so far-fetched. I mean, we're talking about 2015. We're not talking about 2012. A lot happens in a few years. I mean, with Android, they saturated the market with a million different phones that appealed to a large group of uh, people. Uh, it's not just a, two models from Apple. And so I think that a strength is in numbers, really, for Windows Phone, especially worldwide. I think worldwide is a really good point, Sarah, because these numbers probably domestically would be very different in terms of analyst forecasts. But worldwide, I think that Nokia has such a, a grip already that this isn't a hard, um, it isn't as hard of a turn if you think about it in a global sense. Mm-hmm. Well, Microsoft's been really smart about getting their partnership with Nokia. Nokia is everywhere. And the thing is, Windows Phone 7 is getting better. They're adding in the cut and paste. That's a crazy thing, but they did add it in. And so like, it's, <laughs> it's going to get better. They have a lot of really cool UI stuff that is not like Android, not like iOS. And uh, because it's so different, it probably will be all right. By 2015, though, I don't know. There could be a whole new company out there. Like, What if RIM actually makes a comeback to the point where their OS, like QNX, is huge? Maybe. Well, and that's really the problem is when you, when you try to predict this far out. Uh, totally. I, they, what I, was three years ago for Android? Like Android was very insignificant three years ago, and now it's this this tour de force. Yeah, but people I mean, were predicting an, that. We've yeah, seen absolutely. an explosion, so it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that Windows phones will sure. uh, explode in a similar way. IDC does not have a good track record of predicting. They have a very good record of telling you what current sales are. Uh, and that's why I think it's funny that they're basically taking the Symbian number now and putting it as the Windows phone number in 2015. Well, it's yeah. kind of like being a meteorologist. You just, you hope for the best. You think it's probably going to rain. But if yeah. you're wrong, you go, hold on, we're revising, we're revising our outlook. The analysts get to do that too. Yep. <laughs> Netflix Canada got something first. Throttling. Boo. Uh, yeah. So actually, th- this is not throttling uh, in the way ISPs do it. What Netflix Canada has done is announced a new bandwidth management setting for users on capped services in Canada. Uh, If you're on a capped service in Canada, your Netflix streaming quality level is going to be default set to good now rather than best or HD, uh, which is 625 kilobits per second. That means that you're less likely to run into your cap watching Netflix video. You can go in and manually change that default to whatever you want it to be, 
but they they're 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 taking a proactive step here to say we don't want customers on Netflix to be you know running into charges or throttling because they hit these ridiculously low caps. I mean, this still makes the ISPs look like the bad guys. I mean, Netflix is doing their job. They're like, look, you want you want to watch video? This is the game you have to play with all these Canadian ISPs. I mean, I think when Netflix actually came into Canada, everybody started lowering their caps. So that was kind of a depressing thing. I mean, at least you can change it back. I mean, that's a big thing for me. I like high quality stuff, and if I was in Canada, I would love to go back to HD. But that's like what two hours? Well, yeah. I mean, at the uh, at the high quality setting, uh, Ars Technica says you choose through thirty to seventy gigabytes of data if you stream thirty hours of Netflix video a month. Which just watching movies you might not, but if you're catching up on TV shows, mm-hmm. watching whole seasons of things, you you could definitely watch thirty hours of Netflix video in a month. Data caps for Rogers or Bell Canada start at two gigabytes per month. Uh, cable operator Shaw starts at 15 gigabytes. So that's, that's you basically can't watch anything at that high quality level. Wait, but I, I don't know what your guys your experience has been, but so 650K down is the quality setting? 625 um, kilobits. Yeah, yeah, right around there. And I'm thinking I get insane bandwidth here. I have like 17 megs down. And I watch Netflix streaming stuff on highest quality sometimes, and I still see a ton of pixelation. It depends on the movie. I mean, it's not like I'm trying to watch something that's super high def, but it bugs me. It bugs me enough that I definitely choose discs some of the time. So I think that this who's is going to be... Uh, who's your provider, if you don't mind saying? My provider is Comcast. Oh, really? A video provider? There couldn't be anything going on behind the scenes. I have the same <laughs> no, problem with Comcast never. as well. Hmm. Okay. Just... Just thought, you just know. use Fancast yeah. then. Fancast is convenient. Maybe this is something that some of us are used to. I mean, we even have it on our live Twit page where it's like, here, here's low bandwidth. If you want higher, go ahead and switch it. So people are used to saying, okay, you're you're hoping that I get the best experience possible, but I can I can move up if I want to. Yeah, I'd rather watch a lower quality movie that doesn't stutter every 15 seconds. So well, yeah. that's more reason for Canadians to move across the border. That's all this is. Tom- I just got to say, I love that you asked me that question about who my um, provider was, as if you were asking me m- what my weight or my age was. Like, that's like a really... <laughs> I don't mean to be rude. I mean, you know, if you don't mind us, us asking. The, who are technically minded, that is kind of a prying question. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Ah, uh, the etiquette. All right, let's take a quick break before we tell you what's up with GeoHots and Sony. He is not laying down for them. Uh, but first, I want to thank our sponsor, Slingbox. Another way you can watch TV over the internet is with Slingbox. You can take a Slingbox, hook it up to your home TV and your internet connection, and then use an iPad or another mobile device like a laptop or a phone to watch all the TV you pay for. So whether it's DirecTV or Dish or Comcast or Time Warner, whatever you've got, it doesn't matter. It could just be over the air. What's coming into your television gets rebroadcast out over the internet, but just to you. It's entirely legal. It's entirely free after you buy the equipment. You don't have to pay a monthly service charge like you do with a lot of this stuff. It's your television. You can watch it wherever you are in the world that you have an internet connection. You can even control and watch your DVR, so all those things you have piled up on your video recorder you can watch as well. To get started with Slingbox, check it out at a Best Buy near you or on Amazon, or you can learn more at slingbox.com. Sony and GeoHots, they are fighting. To to bring you up to speed, if you haven't been following this on Tech News today, uh, Sony suing George Hots over a jailbreak hack for the PS3. 
George Hutt says that all he, all he did was wanted to allow people to take control of their device and install other operating systems or back up their games or, or do homebrew games. Uh, Sony accuses him of breaking the copyright protection uh, and encouraging piracy of Sony games. So the battle this far has concentrated just on whether he should be tried in California or New Jersey and Gio Hotz has, has not been uh, lying down for this. He has been fighting. He went to Brazil, and Sony tried to accuse him of fleeing the country. He said, I'm on spring break. Leave me alone. He rapped about the scandal. He did a, a rap, which I think he probably needs to do again. Yes, he, uh, was, he was pretty good. Now, in the, uh, he's come up against several recent claims from Sony in this case, saying, well, he must have known that Sony existed in California, because that's the thing about where the trial should take place, because he would have seen it in the terms of use when he signed on and we have a serial number for a ps3 that he bought and we have a an ip address that's in his house and we have a user account uh that that is called geo one hots and we have another user account uh that's called blick manic blick maniac and geo one hots obviously sounds like george hots and blick maniac is also a poster on youtube on an iphone jailbreaking site and we know geo hots did jailbreaking so this it's all pretty damning evidence, right? Well, except well, for the facts. Gio Hotz's attorney apparently has taken a picture of the serial number in question, and it's not the same serial number. Now I don't know if they just took a serial number of a, of a different model. Not but, if you're not if you're submitting this as evidence in court, which yeah, they did. So they're like, "Well, Sony, you're wrong on that count." And on top of that, Hotz is saying he's never seen the whole California thing because all the documentation is still sealed. And he said this under oath. Right. Yeah, so so he's claiming. Well, then again, if you were going to jailbreak stuff, it's not that crazy to think that you just took the manual for PlayStation Three. Like you don't understand what what it does. Put it aside and get to work. He's saying he never saw anything on the box that says anything about California because everything says Sony of Japan. Mm-hmm. So he's saying he has no way of knowing he was under some kind of deal with with Sony in California. Plus, the whole PlayStation Network thing. You have all these terms and services that should say. I know nobody reads them, but it does say somewhere in there. It's you're under the laws of California. He's saying he didn't sign up with that. I think a neighbor friend of his was yeah, signing yeah. up with that. Yeah, one of his one of his neighbors says that his internet was waiting to be installed, and so he just went over to George's house to activate his PS3 so he could play games. Good neighbor. <laughs> yeah, he said, "You guys, this is a misunderstanding. That console that Sony talks about is mine, and the PSN account was created by me. I lived next door to George Hotz, and we've always been good friends." Yeah. Yeah, this is like this is like this is awesome. throwing pennies in front of someone who's d- just done magic mushrooms. They're they're so there's like a blitzkrieg of information. And it's so confusing. And what is this? South California and the friend and the jailbreak and the blah blah. They're like, okay, this is just a. I think this is an amazing legal tactic to confuse everyone involved and finally just have them go fine, whatever, walk away. So I like that Geo Hotz is at least standing his ground with Kids his handful got of gumption. pennies. So That's what I'm uh, at this point, it looks like he might get the trial moved to New Jersey. That doesn't mean he won't still go to trial. It doesn't mean Sony wouldn't still win the win the case. If that's, that means Sony's got to fly over attorneys or get attorneys that are licensed in New Jersey. It's yeah. kind of just bringing them well, a bit of inconvenience. What a, what an idea! Just take off a company that's suing you like crazy for jailbreaking. <laughs> your own bought device. Uh, meanwhile, another arm of Sony, the partnership with Ericsson, has decided to allow you to unlock the bootloader on new Xperia Android phones. In other words, it'll come with the ability to jailbreak. 
Right. That must be the Ericsson side. They, they must be the nice people. They must get that from the Ericsson side of the Someone's family. Someone's going to sue Ericsson later <laughs> next week. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Times of London, if you remember, put in a paywall a few months back, uh, and everyone said, this is stupid. They're not going to make any money. They're, they said they only had 50,000 users, and a lot of people debunked that and said, yeah, 50,000, but a lot of those 50,000 are experimental people just trying it out for a week. Uh, they won't stick around. Well, now... Times of London says they have 79,000 monthly digital-only subscribers. That's up 60% since four months ago. Are they auto-subscribing? I mean, I'm subscribing to the Daily app, for example. I always use this as, you know, something to compare to. But I'm auto-subscribed, so it's just charging me every week. And yeah. I just haven't gone I'm sure a lot of the these people are, of, yeah. yeah. So that's something to consider. So they, they're still growing. They also say they have a lot of corporate subscribers as well. Well, it just goes to show you that, uh, you know, the Times believes in their content. And if people want to read it, then they'll pay a little bit. I mean, they're not, it's not an outlandish fee. I know iPad and Kindle subscribers pay uh, 10 pounds a month, so they're paying a little bit more. But people will pay for the stuff that they want to read. Yeah, I mean, Wall Street Journal's behind a wall. New York Times is going to be behind a wall. I mean, this, you're, like what you're saying, Sarah, is completely right. If the content is good, people will pay for it. I mean, yeah. it definitely. I think you're right, Ayaz, and I think there's a there's a change in sentiment. Um, I've just noticed people posting and putting up tweets about um, the New York Times paywall. There's definitely, you know, people don't want to pay, but there's sort of a maturity of people understanding that it's a product and they're going to go out of business. And so the highest quality providers of information are going to have to charge something and that you're going to have to pay. I think there's a sea change. I'm just, do you guys feel that? Mm-hmm. I, you know, no, I don't. I, I, I think what what the Times is doing here is is saying we've got enough subscribers that this is increasing our paid circulation, and it's not a failed experiment. By gosh, we're going to be we're going to be old fashioned about this, and we're going to be able to make a go of it. And they may be right. They may be squeezing out just enough money to do this, but I think they are going to lose in general because when people who are casual users are looking for news, and there's lots more of them looking for news, they're not going to pay for it. When you pay for the Times. You want to get all of your news from the Times. You're not going to bother going out and trying to find news because you're paying money for that. Most of us aren't going to want to lock ourselves down to one source that way. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, I'm sure that they have been watching this whole Times uh, experiment unfold and may not have gone forward with their own paywalls had this been a huge failure. I think that they're banking on the fact that people will adopt this. New York Times is being a, a little smarter about it, uh, allowing folks to to use articles and read articles a lot more liberally than, than the Times in London. The Times in London is just saying pay you die. pay or you don't get anything. Uh, however, Calvin Young and Noah Reddy Campbell took advantage of that. Uh, it, it, their company, Minnow, does micropayments. And they essentially started selling the links to New York Times stories from Twitter that allow you to not hit the paywall and then charged people a nickel to read them. They made $33.85 until New York <laughs> Times, until the New York Times came and shut them down saying it was a trademark violation because <laughs> they're not allowed to call it New York Times. Didn't they actually give the money to the New they, York Times? They did. They gave All the $33. 30, 33 bucks. This is basically a publicity stunt for their micropayment system. Mm-hmm. It worked. But they're showing like people will pay small amounts of money. I think that is more likely, if somebody can ever crack the code on making it easy, that I would sign up for something that's going to charge me fractions of cents mm-hmm. for wa- for reading pages, and then I can just read whatever page so I want, was like a one versus click. having to like put all my eggs in one basket and spend $35 a month to access one app on an iPad. 
And I think it goes down to the user study, too. So if you're the kind of user who's uh, always read the paper on the train when you're going to work and you always have read the New York Times, then it doesn't make any difference to you. You're going to pay to read it digitally if you've now got a Kindle or you want to read it on your iPad or something of that nature. But um, if you're like us who are just mass consumers of media from everywhere, absolutely. Take five cents from my PayPal account. Make it easy. Give me a button to auto, you know, authorize. I think that why couldn't there be two models? I'd love to see micropayments get going on uh, in the media business. I don't think I don't think they should be nickels, though. I think I think they should really be micropayments. You know, I read one page of the New York Times. I'm not going to pay a nickel for that. It's got to be fractions <laughs> of cents. Uh, by, and by the way, uh, while we're talking about this, Kindle subscriptions to the New York Times do net you free access to the web as well. So people were wondering, hey, wait a minute. If I'm a print subscriber, I get free access to the web. What if I subscribe on the Kindle? Well, there you go. Uh, Microsoft wants to make email more interactive. They're, they're <laughs> launching something that could, could not possibly go wrong uh, with limited <laughs> numbers of partners, bringing interactive, executable code elements to the emails of Hotmail subscribers who get messages from Living Social, Netflix, LinkedIn, Orbitz, Monster, and Posturus. Now, one of the cool I love ex- this story. This should be our kicker. I look, I look, you, you, see it, you hit it perfectly, Tom. What could possibly go wrong with putting scripts in email? This sounds great. One of the cool things that they showed, in all fairness, was that like you had a Netflix email and you could look at your DVD queue right in the email. Like that's kind of neat. The whole problem that it might be spoofed or something, and you know you put banking information and all kinds of horrible things in a web app. I mean, what that could possibly be the problem? Why this is not allowed in email? Microsoft says it's safe. They're sandboxing the code and isolating it so it can't harm a user's machine. Mm-hmm. And it checks who the sender is and will only display these messages when they come directly from the source. As long as they're not spoofed. Right. right? I, the utility functions, as you're totally right. There are amazing things you could do if your email was updating in real time and you had basically apps within the message itself. Um, the utility is great. And I, I scoff at the... At given my um, penchant to think about things always from a, a perspective of like the Melissa virus. I love you. Code red. I just, I always think back to all those great email viruses and think, oh my God, this is a disaster. We need to happen. But you're totally right. The functionality would be amazing if that was built into the message itself. I just don't know that we necessarily trust Microsoft to make it happen. I also, um, I see a world where my Hotmail account is full of video advertisements. Mm. And that kind of sucks too. Do you think it'd just be autoplay? Well, I don't know. But I'm sure that uh, Netflix, Orbitz, Posture, well, maybe not Posture, Living Social would love to. But know, the idea is that when Netflix sends you an email, you could add a movie from the email directly to your queue without leaving that page. Mm-hmm. This is only going to work in webmail, though. This is only going to work in webmail from particular people. They're not changing email. You have to use Hotmail for this to work. And this mm-hmm. is what they're particular partners though yeah. so i mean you'll see these deals i mean it's an interesting idea for microsoft to make money this way like hey partner with us and you can yeah. you can be in our email but uh, people are going to be afraid to click this here's an even even uh, more fearful uh idea <laughs> dennis uh kerman on the wall street journal has a, a headline time for a sequel to aol time warner his first line is this isn't a joke the buzz from California is that it just may be, may be time to try another AOL Time Warner. And he works through all the logic of why all of the media companies are looking for ways to monetize themselves, looking for backers, people to infuse them with cash. And all of the online uh, operators like Time Warner and Comcast are looking for content. 
Uh, and so they, he suggests, like, maybe what we need is for Google to buy the New York Times or, or Facebook to buy a movie studio. Or ABC and Yahoo to merge. That's, that's my I, – I, I think that well, there are – We should just get one paycheck then. That would be easier for me. I just thought I'd throw that out there and do my disclaimer. It worked for everybody. Um, you know, I actually totally agree with this. Um, I think that there uh, are so many different points of synergy that are different from back when Time Warner, AOL came together. Um, I think that you have um, old media and new media. They want the same thing. They have different skills. The, the, the market and the audience is mature enough to recognize that you get media all places, so why sandbox your outlets, if you will? Um, I don't know. I kind of get it. I agree. Plus, a lot of these companies need need the, the the leverage and the strength financially too. The link bait here is Time Warner and AOL merging again. Uh, and and what's interesting to think about is AOL is not the same AOL that Time Warner spit out back when they when they divested it. AOL is now the Huffington AOL's, Post. AOL is still in its gadget. metamorphosis. Yeah. So. It, it's not impossible that it, it, once that metamorphosis is finished down the road a piece, somebody like Time Warner or maybe Time Warner itself says, you know what? I want that network of high quality blogs and video content. Mm-hmm. That works for me. And they, we see Time Warner buy AOL again. And the other big thing here is you look at the combining of the sales forces. That's what we're really talking about is creating ad buys across multiple media platforms. And that makes sense. If you're going to have something that you run a campaign on TV, you're going to run a campaign through a movie, you're going to run a campaign on the web um, or through a social network, all those things, there's a, a linear progression for a company that's trying to make an ad buy. And so you can see how the companies, the media companies could link up for them. All right, uh, let's move on now to the news fuse. <laughs> the computer network NASA relies upon to carry out its billion-dollar missions is a little too much like your Mac or PC at home. Vulnerable to cyber attacks, NASA servers apparently contain vulnerabilities that could enable a cyber attack to cripple the entire agency, according to a recent audit report from the Office of the Inspector General. The Inspector General recommends the agency expedite the implementation of a new agency-wide program to oversee the network security problem. In other words, maybe someone should be in charge of security. (laughs) Happens to the best of us. You know how all 3D glasses aren't interchangeable because of a lack of standards? Well, Panasonic and Expand, that's the letter X, P, A, and D, have decided to champion the M3i standard for active shutter glasses, which is a great idea, although what would have been a better idea is introducing this standard before introducing 3D TVs. Whoops. (laughs) Oops. Oops. Far too logical. Uh, Way back in 2009, a company called Bluebeat was selling Beatles music for the low, low price, 25 cents a track. Its parent company claimed that they had the rights to the music because, get this, it authored the music by psychoacoustic simulation. Strangely. Brilliant. I know, it's, it's, but, you know, I'm sorry to say that they were shockingly sued by the music labels. So, long story short, Bluebeat and its parent company have agreed to pay $950,000 to settle out of court with the labels. Shocker. That's all? That's it. Just for Beatles music, you know. Well, you knew the AT&T T-Mobile deal was going to get scrutinized. The New York Attorney General announced that, quote, my office will ensure New York customers are protected and will analyze the merger for potential anti-competitive impacts on the consumers and business across New York State. If you're in another state, uh, the AG does not care about you. 
I, th- I believe you meant my office will ensure New York customers. <laughs> right, because in New York, in New York, all the accents are from the Kennedys. Yes. New York. <laughs> uh, Dutch researchers at the Santana Superior School, together with researchers from the National Laboratory of Photonic Networks and Ericsson, have established the first transmission system in the world. This is why you waded through all of that with speeds of 448 gigabits per second on a double optical carrier inserted into a commercial device on a fiber optic network. That means in one second, (laughs) you could send 20 HD movies, make 7 million video calls, or more likely split it up and sell 22,500 DSL connections at 20 megabits per second apiece. Unless you're in Canada. Unless you're in Canada. Well, I've got some news. Real Networks has just lost its mind, or at least its head, uh, and his name was Robert Kimball. He was CEO of the company for about a year before departing. Real's executive BP will fill in as CEO while the board looks for a new person, and they are looking. So, if you're looking for a job out there, I know the market's tough, but you could start right at the top, because Real is hiring. Could be you. Woo! <laughs> Uh, Yesterday, the good folks here at TNT mentioned that the International Trade Commission ruled Apple had not violated five of Nokia's patents. So today, Nokia returned to the ITC with seven more patent infringements. They're accusing Apple of violating all of these related to multitasking, data synchronization, positioning, call quality, that should be interesting, and Bluetooth accessories. uh, And they affect virtually all products in Cupertino's portfolio. So take that. Well, speaking of Apple, analyst Charlie Wolf with Needham and Company issued a new note to investors on Tuesday titled AAPL, which is Apple stock symbol. Shock and awe. In it, Wolf reveals he has increased his projected iPad sales for 2011 by 10 million to a total of 30 million. He also predicts 40 million to be sold in 2012. The, the, well, wait, a, wait a second. So yeah. he increased it by 10 million uh-huh. to 30 million. So that means initially he had cut iPad sales in half for yep. this year. Uh, as compared to last year. Right, he's an analyst. He gets, okay. he gets to do that. And I he, just, uh, I don't, why day, did he dial it back so much? I mean, I know that there's increased competition, so that factors in a little bit. They but sold half? out in Europe. Mm. And he went, he went, oh my gosh, they sold out in Europe. Oh, those That's exactly what Charlie sounds like. zany. Oh, sidebar, by the way, you know, today was uh, Radio Shack iPad 2 day. This is the day when they were coming to the uh, Radio Shack. Uh, Just out of sheer curiosity and a little bit of boredom, I called around to Radio Shacks in Florida, uh, Chicago, San Diego. Every single one was sold out. And when I posted this on Twitter, I got a couple of people saying, yeah, I heard they were getting one, maybe two iPad per store. So, so much for iPad 2s being around. A year ago, people said no one's going to buy an iPad. And then all of a sudden, everyone bought an iPad, and it was like one of the top-selling devices and of even, the year. And I think even the top analyst uh, number was half of what it ended yeah. up being. This year, everyone said, well, nobody's going to buy an iPad 2. Why don't they just aim high? Yeah. <laughs> and everybody did. And everybody's trying to. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's finish off uh, with our kicker about some German students from F.H. Vedel University of Applied Sciences creating a virtual reality version of the game Fruit Ninja. Yeah. Wonderful. So you can stand inside, wave your sword around, and slice fruit like a real Fruit Ninja. That would be kind of... You could actually make this into a not just virtual reality version. You could make this into a really fun like carnival game. You could have a real step ninja. right up, folks. You could just people throwing watermelons at you. Yeah, they What's used that? the uh, CAVE cave four walled virtual environment to display the fruit uh, hurtling at you, and it's a modified Wiimote that serves as the sword, so you can do the uh, cool. the slicing up.
Did they have nothing cool. else to do? I mean, I, these are... This is a research project. No, these just German students to tank? No, this is clearly just a dorm project. You know, part of the Fruit Ninja, um, part of the draw is the sound effects. So I really hope that they, they're going to incorporate that into... They could build yeah. in surround sound. Right? That would so be nice. you can nice, hear the watermelon. You, right. I mean, that's, that's part of the... Uh, yeah. That's what you get out of it. All right, real quickly, let's move on to the calendar. The Xbox 360 update preview program begins for a new version that includes an updated Xbox 360 disc format. So sign up for your sneak peek now. Uh, Computer Weekly magazine (laughs) has been killed, murdered after 45 years of good service. And the website's been sold. I wasn't aware that it was still... Well, it isn't anymore, so... Goodbye, Computer Weekly. We're going to miss you a lot. Sprint begins Kyocera Echo Reservations. You can reserve the phone now for 200 bucks after a $100 mail-in rebate to ensure that you have it on its April 17th release date. But they're being very specific that they're limited quantities, so you got to rush. Go. Go to the website. Uh, the Lenovo CEO says LePad Slimmer Successor should arrive in September or October. But we haven't got the first LePad outside of China yet. So they're already <laughs> undermining the sales? I don't know. That's crazy. Maybe they're just going to just jump over one gen. Uh, Microsoft launches Firefox 4 on Android. Has launched. Uh, and Thursday, for everybody who's like me, who doesn't back up things regularly and then just hopes that nothing bad happens, Thursday is the day to redeem ourselves because it's World Backup Day, everybody. Time to back beep, up. Beep, we can all do it together beep. and kumbaya and hold hands. It'll be I'll, fun. I'll tell you one thing that will get you to up. back up. What's that? Is not having backed up and then losing all your data. Yeah. So you could wait for that or just do it on Thursday. Good advice. <laughs> well, yeah, that's for people who think things through. <laughs> for the rest of us, there's a day. Yeah. And finally, the Diary of Facebook is on MTV tonight. Becky, oh, what yes. does that even mean? Well, you know, the diary show, like Diary of a Cheerleader, Diary of This. Well, they're doing Diary of Two Facebook Employees. Is one of them Mark Zuckerberg? (laughs) No, one of them is uh, actually a gal who works with Mark's sister in the marketing department. Uh And, uh, you know, the diary slogan is, you think you know, but you have no idea. Don't you just want to go inside Facebook? Come on. It's on tonight on MTV. I feel like I know too many people who work at Facebook. And so so I feel like, like I, I do like, have an idea. I'm, well, now I'm, I'm coding. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to eat lunch, but coding. I have to eat pretty quick because I'm going to go get some soda, maybe play a little foosball, and then I'm going to go coding. Oh, I got a Facebook chat. Ooh, there were a lot of screenshots is in the full. promo. Nerf, nerf fight. Coding. <laughs> coding. <laughs> All right. After this break, we'll be back with more coming. On to the voicemail, 260-TNT-SHOW. We got a call from Mr. Thompson, who would like to say something to you, Actar. Great. Hey, TNT crew. It's Mr. Thompson. I just wanted to welcome Ayaz Actar on his first day on TNT. Thanks. Bye. Short but sweet. Thank you. We had seven hundred others just like it. <laughs> That's a complete and utter lie, and you know it. <laughs> On to the email, TNT at twit.tv. You got you the first one. You are welcome, you know. I'm aware. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm just going to spec here. No. Sorry. Gotta read can't see your email from back there. I can't. We got an email from Kevin. AT&T, I think I have a guess as to why the Motorola Zoom isn't the nexus of tablets. While it is pure Google and has nearly every feature you could want, it does not feature NFC, which is all the rage with Google lately. I bet if we see the nexus tab from LG, it will have baked in NFC. Also, I highly doubted that the Zoom will get blurred, which was my point, which he hated. I wouldn't put it past Moto to skin future tablets, but I can't fathom them retroactively skinning my precious Zoom. One more thing. I note I looked at Best Buy's site to, sorry, I'm being stared at. 
Um, <laughs> no, I'm just watching you while you talk. Okay. One more thing. Do that here. It's Tom weird because I used to be on Skype, people. I used to, yeah, I used He's to not on, used to being around other people. I used to be in a box. So now if we're angry, we'll just shove oh, you. Okay, okay. Shove. One more thing. I looked at Best Buy's site to check up on the, on the Wi-Fi-only Zoom, and I noticed now that the Wi-Fi model is available, and one month Verizon service requirement for the 4G model is back. I don't know if they are enforcing it, but it's very prominently stated on the webpage. All I can say is that I'm glad I bought my Zoom before that was put in place. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Zoom will will end, will end up being uh, uh, just the way it is. I don't think they'll put Moto yeah, Blur on it. That'd be strange for them to do. Doesn't that. like being stared, stared at. at. Don't look me in the eyes, Merritt. It's going in your uh, going in your permanent record. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough when you choose a career in video. Yeah. I'm just saying. You're I mean, looking at me. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> We're all looking at All right, you. moving on to, uh, this will make so you feel better. In- so intense. Ralph Elwell, a nuclear engineer, wrote in and called me on the carpet uh, for, for saying a couple of comments. Show 207, uh, I said something that sounded like there's no known path to damage from cesium-137. Uh, show 208, I said the effect that while all radiation is dangerous, cesium-137 is less dangerous. My mistake is that I knew that cesium-137 was uh, uh, present in very small amounts and therefore was less likely to be in a dangerous amount but i implied that cesium-137 was not dangerous ralph would like to say those both those statements are incorrect cesium-137 gives off gamma ray in its decay chain 500 rad of cesium-137 will kill just as well as 500 rad of any other gamma ray isotope and it has a shorter half-life than plutonium thus a given quantity of cesium-137 say one mole will give off more radiation per second and thus be more dangerous than the equivalent mass of plutonium. Overall, he said he was he, he likes our, our discussions of Japan he, uh, um, and knocking down the excessive panic. It's just that the good guys need to get their facts correct. So if, if I sounded like I was saying cesium-137 is not dangerous, I was wrong. Uh, but cesium-137 has not been found in as high a quantities that it needs to be something to be concerned about yet. Outside of the reactor, there was cesium-137 uh, detected in that water, though, and that is a cause for concern. So thanks, Ralph, uh, for keeping that clear. Appreciate thanks, Ralph. that. You guys when want we to... Were uh... talking, when we were talking about this email in our uh, pre-show meeting, Tom said, yeah, yeah, I, I got to read this email because I got to clean up some of my sloppy science talk. I like that. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's just a, a good assessment of self, Tom. I sloppy that. science talk coming up next <laughs> right here on the Twitter. Network. Take me to task. I'm a slops. <laughs> Uh, do you guys want to end on a warm and fuzzy note? Sure, let's sure. do. All right, this one's from Del P- Putnam, not Putman, Putnam. Uh, hey, TNT Jakku, just wanted Putnam. to let you know, Putnam, that after a long day of travel issues, which began with my leaving the house at 5 a.m., it was freezing cold, cloudy skies, rain, delayed flights, rental car problems, wow. and a hotel which this had oversold note? its rooms. <laughs> well, it gets better. I just received an email from Saul Cold at FreshBooks letting me know that I had won a cake. Then the sun came out. My rental car was upgraded for free. The hotel called me back telling me, hey, we actually do have a room for you at a discounted corporate rate. He says it's all true and it might be coincidence, but I choose to believe that the FreshBooks cake email was somehow a trigger of a spate of good luck. I might even go play the lottery. Anyway, I just wanted to say thanks for letting me know about FreshBooks. Now he's got a cake. Oh, he's very appreciative. That's awesome. You know, several other people got their cake emails today, mm-hmm. including me. <gasps> we have no, a cake? Tom. Well, I wrote them back and I was like, because uh, they said, hey, because you mentioned that you listened to the TNT show when you signed up for FreshBooks, you've got a cake. <laughs> and I wrote back, I host the TNT show. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm supposed to get a cake in that case. Take the cake. They can give us some. <laughs> they haven't. Have I don't, they written you back yet? They haven't written me back yet. 
So if you're watching this, send the cake anyway. To, yeah. To Don't listen to Tom. Twin Cottage. Where he's, we will have cake. He's our intern. <laughs> he's, intern. he's not authorized to send emails like that. And we want a cake. He's not authorized to make cake decisions. <laughs> <laughs> cake level decisions require a superior officer. <laughs> Feel free to send pie, too. All right, uh, Becky, so good to, to have you back on the show. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Becky. I will be with you on and off, guys. I miss you. It's a, one of the funnest jobs I've ever done in tech, and I ain't leaving that easy. Good. good. We'll, make you, we'll make you come back. <laughs> Don't you worry. We'll make you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh, sounds dangerous. Oh, boy. All right, uh, that's it for this edition of TNT. You can find us on the web at twit.tv slash TNT. Uh, send us an email, TNT at twit.tv, or give us a call, 260-TNT-SHOW. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye, y'all. Silly chicken hates our theme.